Hey friends, Jason Miller here. You're listening to the South Bend City Church Podcast. If you'd like to watch this teaching, just look for South Bend City Church on YouTube or find our Instagram account at SB City Church. Whether you're local and tuning in this way because our gatherings are suspended because of COVID or you're a member of our long distance digital family, we love you and we hope you're well served by this teaching. If you'd like to financially support the work, please go to southbendcitychurch.com slash give. From Matthew 26, Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver, and from then on Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now Jesus and Judas and the rest of their friends are in Jerusalem for the Passover, and so a little while later we read that when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were sad, and they began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Uh, they move on together. Jesus has a conversation with Peter about how Peter will betray him on this night. And then Jesus goes to the Gethsemane where he prays. And then as he's there praying, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. And now Jesus is dragged away into a sham trial under the cover of night. And then as this is happening, we come to the next morning where we read in Matthew 27 that all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans on how to have Jesus executed. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I've sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. And so Judas threw the money into the temple and left, and then he went away and hanged himself. This is the strange, troubling word from God for us, the people of God, today. Uh, this is the beginning of Holy Week. It's Palm Sunday, and we are coming toward the end of Lent and looking forward to Good Friday and Easter. And Lent is a time for reflection and repentance. It's a time to recognize that while there are beautiful and inspiring aspects of the human spirit, we are not always heroes. It's a time to ask, when we see in Scripture humanity at its worst, uh, in what way do we share in that? And we don't do this to shame ourselves or hang our heads, but we do it to welcome the voice of love that speaks to us with conviction and calls us back to who we are actually here to be. And today I want to ask a strange question, which is, do we see ourselves in Judas? It's easy to see ourselves in some of the other characters, you know, uh, flawed but hopeful characters like a Peter or a James or a John. But do we see ourselves in Judas? Is there actually a sacred space being created for us in the story of, of this character to ask ourselves questions about what, in, in what ways we are prone to betrayal and where our fidelity is tested? 
and where we might be inclined to turn against the good and the true and the beautiful. And perhaps though we might find ourselves close to God to turn against God and God's kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but for me to try to find myself uh, in this character, it helps for me to imagine what might have got Judas here. Can, can I imagine any way that Judas, after these three years in Jesus's innermost circle, after three years right there next to the life of God incarnate in Christ, after three years right there next to love living itself out, is there anything I might imagine about Judas that would explain how he could commit this horrendous, tragic act of betrayal? And I, like, I wonder, I wonder, for example, um, if Judas continued to feel like an outsider in this band of brothers. Uh, it's interesting commentators note that where it seems everyone else in Jesus's inner circle came from Galilee, Judas didn't, which is the sort of majority interpretation of what Iscariot means, his sort of last name in the text. Um, maybe he jumped into this band of following Jesus, hoping primarily for some kind of peripheral benefit. And maybe it was a little less about Jesus and the life of God in Jesus and the movement of the kingdom of God in Jesus. And maybe it was more about the hope that he would find belonging on his left or his right. And that's an understandable desire. And yet so many of us, we come into this pursuit of Jesus or following God in his kingdom, perhaps a little more attached to the peripheral benefits that we are hoping for than we realized. And then maybe sometimes those peripheral benefits, they don't materialize or they disappear and our faith wavers and our commitment falls down and we are tempted to betray. Or I wonder, um, was Jesus too radical? Perhaps, you know, at the beginning, Jesus is this charismatic figure and he's gaining a large following and it's convenient to be with Jesus. It's good to be with Jesus. It's a way that somebody rides coattails and ascends uh, by being with Jesus. And maybe early on, it seemed like a really fun thing to be a part of this project. But as Jesus got clearer and clearer in articulating what the kingdom of God looked like and how it would confront the things around him, as it became clearer and clearer and clearer that Jesus wasn't gonna play along with the status quo, perhaps Judas felt a little too comfortable in the status quo and didn't wanna go along with Jesus as he kept disrupting things. And so perhaps uh, his attitude toward this movement soured little by little. And maybe if we were talking to Judas today, he wouldn't even be able to tell us when things flipped inside him, but perhaps one day he just woke up and he realized his heart wasn't in it anymore. Or uh, here's one more theory for you. How about this? What if Jesus wasn't radical enough for Judas? What if, what if Jesus wasn't working on Judas's timeline? Or what if Ju Jesus wasn't willing to take up power in the way that Judas wanted Jesus to take up power? Now, I'm not saying we have evidence of this for Judas in the text, but, it, but, but just the way that Judas turns on Jesus, the crowds turn on Jesus. And it seems that perhaps one of the reasons they turn on Jesus is that they had hoped that he would bring a violent kind of revolution and that he would do it quickly on their timelines. And when he doesn't, they turn. And maybe that's why Judas turned. Maybe he got tired of seeing Jesus so indiscriminately offer healing and hope and help and embrace to all kinds of people. And maybe Judas had hoped that Jesus was taking his side in some kind of culture war and he wasn't doing it. And so disillusioned, Judas decides to take this guy down. I don't know what happened in Judas to cause this betrayal. But I think about those possibilities and it makes it easier for me to imagine myself making the same tragic turn that Judas makes. Now, we do read in parts of the text that Judas was a greedy man. By the way, he was the treasurer of this group of people. And of course, he, you know, he asked for payment for this betrayal. And I've wondered there 
Was, was greed the reason for his betrayal? Was greed the reason that his fidelity fell? Or had his fidelity wavered for other reasons and was greed the easy way out? I, I don't know, um, but it helps me to wonder how it is that Judas, having spent three years right there with Jesus, having seen the love and the power and the life and the healing and the hope of the kingdom of God in Jesus, how it is that he would turn against it. Or as uh, Richard Rohr says, uh, how it is that, that, that he would hate the very thing that he should love. I've wondered about that, but I've also been thinking about Judas's tragic story, and it strikes me that the most tragic thing about him isn't that he turns Jesus in. After all, uh, Judas isn't the only person that betrays Jesus right here in this part of the story, right? Peter does too. But we don't think of Peter uh, as a tragic figure. We think of him as a flawed figure with, with a hopeful future in this story. But Judas is a tragic figure. And I think the thing that makes Judas tragic isn't his betrayal of Jesus, but rather it's his inability to imagine that he could be reconciled after what he has done. You know, he takes his own life in Matthew's telling before Jesus is crucified and resurrected. And I can't help but wonder, like, what if Judas had been able to hang on long enough to see how this story ended? There's the, the moment when he realized he has condemned an innocent man. And in that moment, I so much relate because I've had those feelings, those moments in my life where I realize I have this incredible capacity to destroy the good and stuff out the innocent and work against God's kingdom. And sometimes sensing that power that we have is terrifying. And we think this is all we are capable of doing in the world that we are agents of evil, of brokenness, of sin. And it can be really hard to imagine that, uh, to quote a line from the Kite Runner, that there is a way to be good again. And yet if Peter can betray Jesus three times and find himself leading the church, then surely there would have been a way for Judas to be good again, to be restored and reconciled, but he couldn't imagine it. This to me is the tragedy of this character and, um, and where I see so much of our tragedies in him. I've been a pastor for a little while now, and I have been accumulating evidence over the years that often the reasons that we don't join in the work of the true and the good and the beautiful, often the reasons we don't join with God and work for love, that, that the reasons we do it is that we, we think that we are ineligible for those things, that we are somehow so tainted and so dysfunctional and deficient that there's no way we could be brought into those things. And so we opt ourselves out, not realizing that we too are still being invited in. And Judas tragically can't imagine the very thing that Peter experiences, which is that he could be reconciled and restored. And this to me seems like an important turning point in Lent as we come to Holy Week, to Good Friday and Easter. That we gather up all of our self-reflection over these last several weeks all of these invitations to repentance over these last several weeks and that we remember that we are being invited into restoration and forgiveness, that mercy abounds. And that even though it seems Judas brought evil against Jesus, it wasn't enough to defeat him because he was still raised. And like you and I, we look upon the cross and I think it's a true and faithful reflection to realize that there in the death of Jesus, we, all of us, are bringing our very worst. Evil is summoning everything it has against Christ and God's kingdom. And yet, even after evil has summoned everything it has and brought it against Christ, there is still more to come. 
because it turns out that none of our failures or infidelities are capable of defeating the durability of God's kingdom. And I just wish Judas had stuck around long enough to see that. And so today, friends, on Palm Sunday, as we look ahead to Holy Week and Easter, uh, let us be sober-minded about our capacity for betrayal. Let us be on the hunt for the kind of cynicism and disillusionment that could turn us sour. But let us also be on the hunt for reconciliation and forgiveness. Let us be fiends for mercy because there is plenty of it for us if we will simply ask. And this Holy Week, may grace and peace be with you.